Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? If so, this episode is for you, as I'm going to walk you through step-by-step how to start your own podcast. Are you ready? Let's go! Hello and welcome to the brand new You Show. My name is Ryan Roten and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you thrive in the reputation economy. We meet here every week to learn how you can build your personal brand, grow your influence, and ultimately impact your career. We do this through a mixture of solo shows and interviews, and today I am super duper excited. Now, why is that, you ask? Well, because today marks the launch of episode 50. I can hardly believe it myself, especially when I consider 14 months ago, all I had was an idea. Now, there's a lot of people to thank for helping me get to this point, but I'm going to start with the stars of this podcast, which have been my guests. All of my guests have been so gracious with their time, and it's humbling to me that they were willing to share some of their time with us. I mean, after all, time is truly our most precious asset. And believe it or not, some of the guests that I've had on the show so far are actually four- and five-figure speakers if you were to hire them to speak at your conference. Yet they took time out of their schedules to share their message with us for free. It still blows my mind. I also have you listeners to thank for clicking the subscribe button and tuning in each and every week. It's your five-star rating and reviews on iTunes, your tweets, and your emails that keep me motivated and inspired to keep the show going. It's because of you that we've hit show number 50. Now, a lot of podcasters, when they hit a milestone show, say number 50 or number 100, they like to do a top 10 list of things that they've learned along the way. And to be honest, I was planning to do the exact same thing. But then I went back and I reviewed the list of topics from my email subscribers. Items one and two we covered with the shows on Masterminds and last week's show on how to use Twitter the right way. Believe it or not, number three on the list was how to make a podcast. So I thought about it, and I decided instead of doing a top 10 list of lessons learned, I'm going to take the opportunity with episode 50 to teach you everything you need to know about how to start your own podcast. So without any further ado, here's the brand new you version of how to start your very own podcast. Before I dive in, here's my disclaimer for today's show. What you're about to hear is my version of how to start a podcast based on my experience. Are there other ways to do it? Yes, of course there are. And other podcasters will give you different advice than mine, and that's fine. In fact, I encourage you, go listen to them as well. But this is the way I would coach someone who wants to start a podcast. Now, to me, a podcast starts way before you ever spend your first dollar. And yes, it does cost money to have a podcast, and I'll share with you those costs along the way. But in my mind, your podcast starts by answering this two-part question. First, what's your podcast going to be about? And second, how will it add value to your listeners? Let's say that because you are an idea machine, like Claudia Altucher said from show 41, and you decide that you want to do a podcast on pets, this is great. But what type of pets will your show be about? Will you do a show about cats, dogs, rabbits, giraffes? Okay, I made that one up. I don't even know if you can have a giraffe as a pet, but maybe. Or perhaps you're a zookeeper and your show will be all about these types of animals. So you know what your podcast is going to be about, but now what you really need to know and understand is how will your podcast add value and help your podcast listeners? Take this show, for example. It's my goal and my mission to help each one of you listening build your personal brands, grow your influence so that you can ultimately impact your career, 
by providing you with the tools and tactics that you need to become visible in this digital age. Now, how you impact your career with this information is up to you. You may decide to use the tools and tactics we discuss to advance within your current company. You may decide to elevate your creative side and start a side business or begin freelancing. Or you may ultimately decide that you want to become a solo entrepreneur. Like I said, how you deploy the information in this podcast is up to you, but I want to be the one to provide you with the tools that you need to create a brand new you. Now, some of you may be asking, how do I know whether or not I'm achieving my mission? This is a great question because this is where you, the listener, comes into play. Podcasting really only has a couple of metrics, downloads and ratings and reviews. I know some podcasters who have stopped producing their show because their downloads were not what they expected. And I know others who've stopped altogether because they had no or very few ratings and reviews. Speaking of which, based on the five-star reviews this show has received so far, I'm going to make the leap and say that I'm delivering on my brand promise. But ultimately, the answer to that question is up to you. Oh, and by the way, if you haven't left a rating and review for the show yet, please do so on iTunes. All of us podcasters have very fragile egos, which is why your five-star rating and review really kind of helps us stay sane. And I'm no exception. So do us all a favor. If there's a podcast out there that you listen to regularly, go and leave a five-star rating and review for the show and the host so that they know that they're delivering on their brand promise. Okay, so once you've decided on a topic and how your podcast will add value to your listeners, your next decision point is going to be to understand the type or the format of podcast that you want to produce. There's multiple different types of formats you can have for your podcast, but for this one today, I'm going to specifically talk about a solo show and an interview-based show. From a level of difficulty standpoint, solo shows are going to be much easier to put together. At a very high level, it's just you talking into a microphone, just like I'm doing right now. However, there is work that goes into a solo show, such as researching your topic, and if you're so inclined, you could script out your entire show. This is what I do. These words that you're hearing right now, I'm reading them mostly from a script. Does every podcast or does every person need a script? No. I know people who literally just hit record and start talking. You know, I personally wish I could do that, but writing the podcast out helps me vet out all of my ideas. This takes time, but again, it's not necessary. It's really just a matter of personal preference. I hope to someday be good enough that I can just flip the switch and start talking, but for now, I need to stick to scripting out my podcast. Then there are the interviews, which, as you know, make up close to 90% of this podcast. I'm just going to say it so you know, but adding a fellow human being to your podcast increases your level of difficulty probably tenfold over a solo show. For solo shows, it's just you. You have to show up. An interview, however, requires you to find guests, schedule guests, and interview guests, which might sound simple, but I'm telling you, think again. And here's a piece of advice for you if you decide to go with an interview show. You need to be 200% prepared for the interview, but also at the same time, be 100% prepared for your guests to cancel at the last minute, or in some cases, not even show up. And to make this worse, it will almost certainly happen when you have no one else lined up to interview and you still have a podcast to deliver the following week. This is going to happen. It's happened to me more than once, and I promise it's going to happen to you as well if you get into the interview-based format. I mean, let's face it, life happens. I've even had to cancel on my guests before. So prepare yourself for it. It's going to happen. So that way, when it does happen, you'll be able to start initiating plan B, which I'm going to talk about here in a few minutes. 
Another variable to consider when doing an interview show is preparation. I believe the level of preparation you do for your interview will show up during the interview itself. So for me, preparation for my guests include reading their books, their blogs, subscribing to their email lists, watching their personal videos, or videos in which they've appeared. I also listen to other podcasts that they've been on. I stalk them on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, I search for them on Google and I review every search engine return, sometimes up to 10 pages deep, depending upon who the guest is. Now, for a typical interview, I will spend anywhere from two to five hours conducting research. And this does include the time that it would take to read their books. Is this excessive? Maybe. But that's just what I do. In fact, it's really one of my strengths because context is one of my strengths from my Strength Finder reports, which Lisa Cummings, the Certified Strengths Performance Coach from Episode 39, will tell you it means that I strive to understand how my guest came to be who they are, and knowing their backgrounds gives me confidence. So I love nothing more than to make my guests feel valued, and I want them to know I respect their time enough to do my homework before I hit the record button. And if I can make them laugh during the show, even better. Believe it or not, as I'm preparing for my guests, I actually picture them after our session telling other people what a great experience it was for them to talk with me. And I know this sounds weird, but I am practicing affirmations and the visualizations that Catherine Bryant and Julian Illman and I spoke about on show 30. Your personal level of preparation will depend on you. You need to do what works for you and what you're comfortable with. Okay, so once you know the format of your show, we can move on to the next step. Once you have the type of the show and the format, the next step I recommend people do is to take out a piece of paper and write down what your first 10 shows will be about. If you can't list out 10 shows, I recommend that you go back and review your topic. Don't start your podcast. I recommend this step because a lot of people get really excited about doing a podcast. They'll jump right in, they'll record three or four shows, and then they go, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do next week, and they stop posting on a regular basis. And by the way, consistency is a very key tenet of podcasting. So don't let this be you. List out your 10 shows and then get started scripting, if that's your thing, of course. If you're doing an interview-based show, I recommend that you list out 50 people that you would like to have on as a guest and include a one-sentence summary of what you'd like to talk with them about, be it their book or their subject matter expertise. I suggest that you do this because, honestly, getting guests, especially in the beginning, can be difficult. You not only need to find them, but you need to reach out to them. You'll need to follow up with them, etc. I mean, finding guests for your show is a never-ending process. On any given week, I will have anywhere from 5 to 10 invitations or follow-up emails kind of out in the internet ether. You have to be diligent about this or you'll find yourself in a place where you will not have any guests lined up to interview for your podcast. This is especially troubling if you have a weekly podcast. So once you have your 50 people on a list, I recommend that you start stalking them. And if you are confused about what I mean by that, go back and listen to last week's show on how to use Twitter the right way. Go ahead and start building rapport with your potential guests, and when the time is right, you'll both know it, and it'll happen. But don't think that just because you've got an interview scheduled, it doesn't mean that something can't happen. As I mentioned before, people will cancel. I've had several guests schedule an interview, cancel it, and then reschedule it. And it's all good. It's all part of the process. And as a podcaster, you just need to expect it to happen, be gracious and patient when it does, Because, frankly, everything happens for a reason, even if it doesn't feel like it at the time. 
A couple other steps I recommend that you take before starting your podcast are to listen to other podcasts and to seek advice from other podcasters. When you listen to other podcasts, don't just listen to what they're saying. Note the things that you like, which you don't like. This includes things like the music, the intro, the audio quality, the questions that are being asked. These are all things that you can either incorporate into your podcast or be conscious of that you don't want to have in your podcast when you start your own. I also recommend, as I said, to talk to other podcasters, people who are already doing it. Find out what their likes are, their dislikes, their recommendations, the pitfalls that they've run into along the way. And in case you're wondering, yeah, they will talk to you. I mean, after all, we're podcasters. Talking is what we do. Okay, now that you know your topic, you know the format you want to use, and you know your first 10 shows or your first 50 potential guests, you're ready to begin looking at the stuff, the equipment that you're going to need. And I think it comes as no surprise to everybody that the first thing you're going to need is a computer. You're also going to need a microphone. Now, this is the point where you will find hundreds, if not thousands of articles and videos on the best mic to use. Here is the complete honest truth. Every author of every article or video that you can read about microphones will tell you if pressed. When you are first starting out, it really doesn't matter. What matters the most to the person who wrote that article and to other podcasters is that you just start. So I recommend starting simple with an ATR 2100. This is the mic that I have used and am currently using right now for all of my first 50 shows on this podcast. It's inexpensive. And you can find it on Amazon, sometimes for as low as $40. Currently, at the time of this recording, it's on sale for $52. This mic works. It's a USB mic that you plug into the USB port on your computer. And just like that, you are ready to record. The reason I recommend starting simple here is twofold. First, starting simple prevents you from getting wrapped up in all of the chatter about what's the best mic to use, which frankly will cause you to delay your podcast launch. And second, if after you record several shows and you decide that you don't like podcasting, well, frankly, you're not out a lot of money. So go pick up the ATR 2100. It's a great mic for the price. And if you decide that podcasting is right for you after you've done a few episodes, then start to look at upgrading to a different mic at some point in the future. So with a computer and a mic in hand, in order to record, you'll need some type of recording and editing software. Now, there's a great free program called Audacity that you'll want to download and use when you get started. I started out using Audacity. It works great for recording solo shows and editing, which I'll talk more about in a few minutes. Now, another option is Adobe Audition. This is the program that I use today. There are many other softwares out there that you can use as well, but Audacity and Audition are the only ones I'll discuss here. As I already mentioned, Audacity is free. Adobe Audition does cost a ton of money if you were to buy it as a standalone program, but fortunately you don't have to. I pay $30 a month in order to access Adobe Audition through Adobe's Creative Cloud services. This monthly fee gives me access actually to all of Adobe's programs, such as Photoshop and After Effects, which I use for other things. So I switched from Audacity to Audition quite simply because I was paying for it. For all of my interviews, I use Skype which unfortunately, you can't record your calls using Skype. You'll need an additional piece of software to do this. I use a piece of software called Call Recorder by a company called Ecamm. This software costs $30 and it works great. 
Once you've installed it, it opens up with Skype. So you click the button, you open Skype, and Call Recorder opens up with it. It's a little box interface that appears on your screen. And to start recording, all you have to do is click the red button. And then when you finish recording, you just click the red button again to stop recording. It's really pretty simple. So before moving on, let me recap. To start a podcast, you need a computer, you need a microphone, and you need software to record and edit into. Assuming you have a computer already, from an equipment standpoint, all you're going to need is a mic which we'll budget for at $60, and the recording software, which I've already said could be free for you. If you're interviewing people over Skype, you will need the call recorder program from the company Ecamm. That's $30. So for less than a $100 investment, you will have everything that you need to get started making your podcast from an equipment and software standpoint. Are you with me so far? All right, good. Here's a couple of other optional things that you might want to consider. So I'm calling these things optional, but frankly, they're really not. Every podcast should have cover art. Lack of cover art is the equivalent of the egghead profile picture on Twitter. Please don't skip this step. You can make your cover art using free programs like Canva and PicMonkey. I made my cover art using PicMonkey. Now, regardless of the program that you use, the artwork does need to be a JPEG or a PNG file, and it needs to be at least 1400 by 1400 pixels. And the max size that you can use is 3,000 by 3,000. A word of caution, don't get wrapped up in the design of your cover art. If this is not your thing, you can pay someone on Fiverr or even 48-hour logos, for example, to do the cover art for you. But why when you don't have to? Just stick with the free programs. They're both very easy to use. You'll be able to pick up on them quickly. Just remember the proper sizing. Now, if you're going to do an interview-based show, I also highly recommend that you consider getting a scheduling software. Could you schedule your guests via email? Sure. However, I'm going to warn you, this is going to take a lot of back and forth emails between you and your guests to find a time that just works. And then once you do find that time, you're going to need to get it scheduled. And trust me, all of this is a hassle. A better way is to use a scheduling software. Personally, I use one called Schedule Once. There is a free component to it, but if you start getting multiple guests signed up, which you're going to need to for a weekly podcast show, you're going to want to move up and access the paid features. This costs me $20 a month. Schedule Once has an easy user interface and allows your guests to select the times that you make available on your calendar. You just send them a link, they select their time, and bam, you're good to go. The thing I like about Schedule Once is the ability for me to mark the times that I am available for interviews. Other programs that I've tried, such as Calendly, have you mark on your calendar when you are not available, And then the program only allows for scheduling in your non-busy times. This is a subtle but very important difference. With Calendly, I need to mark when I'm not available. With Schedule Once, I simply mark when I am available. I will say that if Calendly would allow me to mark when I'm available by specific dates, then I would definitely switch over to the platform. I like the UI of Calendly much better, and it's $10 less expensive. So until they fix this, I'm going to continue to use Schedule Once. So at this point, you have everything you need to record and edit audio. And if you're keeping track, to get this podcast started, I've invested $90 on a mic and Skype recording software, and I have now $50 in monthly reoccurring costs between Adobe Creative Cloud and Schedule One software. So now we're ready to record. Okay, so here we go. The day has finally arrived, and it's time to start recording your programs. Here are a few recommended steps to take before you hit the record button. First, you need to turn off the HVAC in your house. 
or your apartment, wherever it is you can. If you can shut it off, do so, because it will help reduce the background noise in the room and it will make your show sound better. The next step, and this will sound funny, but trust me, you're going to want to do this. Make sure you go to the bathroom. If you don't think this is true, just wait till you're 10 minutes into a 45 or 60 minute interview and you didn't use the bathroom before you started. Take the time to tinkle before you hit record. Next, you're going to need to get a glass of water. Hopefully no explanation needed here, but I will tell you there's been times when I've gotten that tickle in the back of my throat when I'm talking to a guest, and it's very nice to kill that off very quickly with a glass of water. The next thing I recommend is to coordinate quiet time. If you share a house, apartment, or a basement with anyone, make sure everyone knows that you're about to start recording. I announce it like a bartender announces last call. I even have a handwritten piece of paper that I place on the door that says recording before I close it. I also recommend that you send a text to anyone who is outside of your house or apartment who may come in during your interview session to let them know that they need to enter quietly. The next thing I do at least a half an hour before the interview starts is I open up all of my software. This could be Audacity, Audition, Skype. There's nothing worse than an uncooperative software program when you're about ready to start recording. The next thing I do is I make sure all of my equipment is working. I verify the audio and the video settings are correct and that the mic is plugged in. And I use this time just to check everything and make sure that my settings are correct and that everything is working as it's supposed to. Now, here's a true story. A half an hour before one of my scheduled interviews earlier this year, I discovered that my microphone was not working. And upon further inspection, I discovered that the USB port had been jammed up into the mic and actually broke loose. This was not a fault of the microphone. This was actually my fault. I had done it a couple days before, but didn't realize it, unfortunately, until a half an hour before the interview was scheduled to start. So here I am. I had no microphone and a guest coming on in a half an hour. Fortunately, I have a guitar store less than a mile from me. So to make a long story short, after a very frantic visit to the guitar store, I was able to plug in my new mic about three minutes before the scheduled time with my guest. I now have two microphones in the house. One of them I'm talking into now. The other one is in an unopened box sitting on the shelf just behind me, just in case. Another thing that I do before I hit record is I practice my script. Now, whether whether I'm doing an interview show or I'm going solo, I wrote the script so I start to run through it. Literally, by the time that I start an interview with my guests, I have practiced out loud the introduction and the flow that I want the interview to take probably close to 20 times. I also will open up any files, any websites, or any notes that I've taken. I'll usually have my guest's website up on the screen, or I'll have their book opened up on my Kindle app. Another tip, put your phone on mute. Actually, I would recommend you put any device that you have anywhere in the area that can make noise on mute. This includes computers, regular telephones, iPads, uh, cell phones, whatever is in the immediate area, that makes noises, dings, and such, put them all on mute so that they don't interrupt the flow of the podcast. And then the last thing that I recommend is if you have a pet or an animal of any kind, maybe one of those giraffes we were talking about earlier, remove them from the room, put them somewhere where when they start making noise, it won't interrupt your podcast. All right, so now we're ready to record. Take a drink. You'd be surprised how much this helps. I also will put chapstick on before I start recording because as you talk, your lips will get dry and it will help you get through an hour-long interview. So what really makes a podcast a podcast is this next step, which is make sure you hit the record button. I know this sounds very simple, 
But I also know podcasters who've gone through an entire interview before realizing that they forgot to hit the record button, or they get several minutes into an interview and they realize that they forgot to hit the record button. So make sure if you're going to record a podcast that you actually hit the record button. I know it sounds simple, but I promise you as a new podcaster, you will forget to do it. Now for solo shows like the one that I'm doing right now, don't stop your recording. If you make a mistake, just keep the recording going. If you flub a line, pause and reread it. Remember, you can always delete out mistakes during the editing process. As an example for the Mastermind solo podcast that I did a few weeks ago, I recorded for close to 50 minutes. After editing, I published a 29-minute show. Now, for interviews, I also find it helpful, especially for your guests to put them at ease, to remind them that you can edit out anything. So if they mess up, tell them not to worry. You can create a whole lot of miracles in editing. After you've finished recording, I recommend that you make a backup of your show right away and if possible, store it on the cloud. That way, if something happens to your computer, you're not going to lose the recording that you just spent an hour working on. And after you've done this, we're now ready to move on to what a lot of people refer to as the magic of podcasting, which is editing. There will be some podcasters who will disagree with this, but after you've recorded your show, you're going to need to edit it. At least I do anyway. I usually don't start editing right away. A lot of my interviews are conducted in the evenings during the work week. So by the time I'm done, I'm really drained and I don't feel like editing after working for eight hours during the day, then coming home and recording for another hour at night. I mean, frankly, my creative juices at that point are spent. I almost always edit my show on Saturday mornings. And then it usually bleeds over into Sunday as well. But everyone in my house knows where I'll be every Saturday morning from about 6 a.m. till noon. And yes, that's six hours for those of you keeping track at home. As I mentioned before, to edit your podcast, you will need editing software. And there are a number of different editing software tools out there and different programs that you can use. But I've already mentioned Audacity and Audition. And to me, editing is really where the magic happens in a podcast. It's also where you're going to spend the most time. I usually will spend at least an equal amount of time editing and most of the times more time than I actually do researching my guests. The hardest thing about editing is going to be learning the software. I will say that Audacity is easier to learn than Audition, but fortunately for me, I also had a friend of the show, Steve Stewart's course on Audacity to help me get started. Steve's course on how to use Audacity to edit your podcast is something that I would highly recommend. Steve is a full-time podcast trainer. And he's been using Audacity for years, so believe me when I tell you he knows his stuff. Unlike other software training, Steve's course is specifically geared towards how to use the software for podcasting. I found other courses that teach you about Audacity, well, they'll just teach you all the bells and whistles that frankly don't help a podcaster very much. If you're interested in learning more, head over to stevestewart.me. Anyway, like I said, I started with Audacity, but because I pay for the creative cloud, I felt obligated to start using Audition, so I switched. Basic editing for me that I do for every single show includes editing out things like ums, ahs, and other verbal pauses. I will also at times remove tangents if they don't add value to the overall podcast. There have been a few podcasts where the recording with the guest was over an hour but the finished podcast ended up only being 40 minutes. 
Editing is not just about cutting stuff out. It's also about adding value and making sure that you tell one cohesive story. And that's really how I look at every podcast that I produce as a story. Before I edit it, I always ask myself, what is the takeaway that I want for you as the listener? And the answer to that question guides all of my edits. It's during the editing process where I'll add things like the music for the intro and the outro. And believe me, I think music can really make a show. It adds personality, and if selected wisely, can get people excited to listen. I have one listener who tweets me every Friday when she's listening to tell me that she's dancing to the outro music. Am I right, Chris? Oh, and by the way, I have a surprise just for you at the end of the show. But don't fast forward to get there. We still have a lot of stuff to cover. I actually get a lot of compliments about the music in this podcast, which I'm glad for because, frankly, it took me hours to find the one that I currently use. I used a website called Pond5 to find my music. And here's a little warning to you. Selecting your music will very quickly become a rabbit hole or a squirrel that you start chasing, but I personally think it's worth the time. And I'll also note that when selecting your music, do not use copyrighted music in your podcasts. Just because you like that one song from Chumbawamba, you know the one, doesn't mean that you can put their music into your podcast. Because frankly, if you do, you can get knocked down, but you may not get up again. I recommend buying the extended commercial use licenses for your podcasts. Make sure that you take the time to read the disclaimers in order to know that you're buying what you think you are. This may seem like overkill, but I'd rather you be safe than sorry. Lately, SoundCloud has been taking down podcasts it feels are in violation by using copyrighted songs in their shows. So, like I said, spend the extra money and pay for the commercial license to make sure that you're getting a royalty-free piece of music. And then you should be okay. I paid $40 for the song that's used in this podcast. After you've edited your podcast, you've added in your music, you've added your closing thoughts, if you do that kind of thing, that is, you'll want to export your podcast file as an MP3. Now, unless you're a professional audiophile, which I am not, you will probably need to level out your MP3 file before the final release. You'll also need to tag your file with some metadata, which basically identifies the file as yours and tags it with cover art and a description of what the podcast is about as well. To do this, I use a program called Alphonic. It does both for me. Alphonic, A-U-P-H-O-N-I-C, is a free online program designed to make your podcast sound professional. It levels the volumes for you, and it makes other changes to the sound that makes it, frankly, more pleasing to the ears. And it does this using like advanced algorithms and stuff, and I'm not going to go into any of that, but I will just say that it works like it's supposed to. To use Alphonic, you simply take your MP3 that you exported from your editing software and you upload it to Alphonic. When you get to the upload screen, you're going to fill out all of your metadata information. You'll click start and then just let it do its thing. You can use Alphonic for free up to two hours of uploaded content per month. After the two hours, you can buy additional time. $12, for example, will get you five more hours. And because I do a podcast each week, I have had to purchase additional hours twice already this year for a total of $24, so not a big expense. The additional five hours is more than enough that you'll need, and they actually usually last me for three or so months. Just make sure when you do it, you buy the one-time credits because they don't expire. All right, at this point, we have a polished recording, but we do not have a podcast yet. To do that, you need an RSS feed. 
I'm not going to get into the technical reasons behind this next statement, but in order for your audio recording to become a podcast, it needs an RSS feed. The RSS feed allows you to distribute your podcast. This means that you're going to need a host who can provide you with one. The good news is that you have several companies to choose from, and the bad news, well, is that you have several companies to choose from. The cost to host your podcast typically depends on the size of your files, measured in either megabytes, minutes, or hours. SoundCloud, for example, offers free hosting, which includes your RSS feed for up to three hours of podcasts. So if your podcasts run about an hour each, you're only going to be able to upload three shows for free. If you want to add a fourth show, you either need to take one show down or you'll need to upgrade your account. I use SoundCloud's unlimited upload plan. This allows me to upload every show and keep all of them on their servers, and this service costs $15 a month. Libsyn, which stands for Liberated Syndication, is one of the oldest dedicated podcast hosting platforms. You're going to hear about Libsyn a lot from other podcasters. They have five pricing tiers ranging from $5 a month to $75 a month. Libsyn uses megabytes as their benchmark versus SoundCloud's hours. I also use Libsyn, and I pay them $20 a month for their 400 megabytes, which is plenty for this show. Other potential hosts include Sprecher, Podbean, Podomatic, Amazon, and the list goes on. In case you're wondering, there really is no way around this aspect of podcasting. You need an RSS feed, which generally means you need a host, which translates into a reoccurring monthly fee. Also, once you start, you will be paying that fee for as long as you want your podcast to be available. If you stop paying, your podcast goes away. It's a necessary evil. So my monthly recurring cost for hosting for both Libsyn and SoundCloud is $35. Okay, now we have a finished podcast and a host. My investment again at this point is $90, and now my monthly recurring expenses are at $85. That's $85 every month. By the way, did I mention I'm looking for sponsors? The next step in the evolution of creating your podcast is to upload your podcast to your host and schedule the release time and day. Now, this is a very straightforward process. There are buttons to click and boxes to fill out. And it's the boxes to fill out, frankly, that create the most work for you because you need to put something in them and that something is usually called show notes. I don't know who started this tradition of show notes, but I promise you they are the bane of every podcaster. Well, most podcasters anyway. The detail provided in the show notes runs the gamut from providing only links to actually providing very detailed notes to somewhere in between. Me, I fall in the somewhere in between category. I won't do just links because I want to take advantage of keywords and my guest names for SEO. I also feel that I owe it to them for taking the time to speak to me to put a little bit more detail about our discussion in my show notes. So the length and detail of your show notes really depends on you. I write my show notes when giving a final listen to the podcast before I export it from my editing software as an MP3 file. The good thing is, is that once you have your show notes, you can repurpose them in several places. I use the show notes in the meta description fields in Alphonic as I'm uploading the file. I also use them to complete the boxes for both Libsyn and SoundCloud when I upload the completed podcast to each service. And of course, I use them on my website as well. Once the show notes are complete, the podcast upload and scheduled, I will now take the time to create what I call show cards, which are basically the images that you'll see when I promote the podcast. And I do this in Photoshop, which 
is why I pay for Creative Cloud again. Once I have the show cards created, everything for the podcast that week is basically done, except for the promotion, which I will then go and schedule out tweets using Buffer. I will also, more often than not, put together a post in LinkedIn, once again using the show notes. Of course, I don't put the full show notes on a LinkedIn post. I only put an abbreviated version with links back to my site so people can see the full show notes if they choose to do so. And really, that's it. One podcast completed, and now I'm on to the next one. Before we end today's show, I want to take just a minute and recap. To get started podcasting, you need less than a $100 investment, and your recurring monthly expenses, they're going to run you anywhere between, say, $5 and $85. And that's it from a money standpoint. But let's talk about the time that it takes. So the time it takes for your podcast was going to vary significantly between podcasters. For me, I will spend on average anywhere between six and nine hours per show. Now, this includes my prep work for the interview, such as reading the book if necessary, creating the questions, the interview itself, editing, creating show notes, posting, and setting up all my promotions. Last week's show on how to use Twitter the right way took me almost 15 hours. And frankly, I cheated because I had a service transcribe the show notes for me. I know some people who take less than an hour. So there you have it. Everything I know about podcasting and everything I would teach you if you were to ask me for help. Hopefully, I haven't scared you away from podcasting altogether. This is just my process. It's one that I refine each and every week, and you'll develop your own over time. But you won't if you don't get started. So despite the time that it takes and the monthly expenses that I incur, I really do enjoy creating this show for you. I love interacting with my guests, meeting new people, and I love it when I see new ratings and reviews come out like this five-star one from Quarterman, who said, Been listening for a while. Love how informative his shows are. If you're looking for a well-prepped teaching-based podcast and how you can effectively brand yourself off and online, this show's for you. Or this one from Danny Flood. Great to see such a polished and thorough personal branding podcast as this by Ryan Roten, which is so important in today's digital age. Every person should be seriously considering how they want to carefully construct their personal brand. What's great about this show is that Ryan really does his homework on his guests. He brings on really smart people in the area of personal branding and digs deep to actually find useful and actionable nuggets rather than follow a cookie cutter template like so many other podcasts. Digging this show so far and look forward to new episodes. Thank you to both Quarterman and Danny Flood. These types of reviews make it all worthwhile. So you can find the show notes for today's show at ryanroten.com forward slash how to podcast. Let me know what you thought about today's show by sending me a tweet at ryanroten and be sure to use the hashtag BNY chat. Oh, one last thing before I go. I've included the entire theme song this week as the outro, all two plus minutes of it. So Chris Haverius, hopefully I said your name right. That's Chris H-A-V-I-A-R-I-S Haverius. Get ready to start dancing because this song is for you. And until next week, I've been Ryan and I'm out.